And so it begins. No one knows its secrets. It's like nothing you've ever gone after before. You make me want to be a better man. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Watching the Right Movies with the Rinkowski Brothers. I'm Ben Rinkowski, and this is my brother, Nick. Hey, Benny. These are, this is a podcast for people who want to learn more about uh, one specific movie, see if maybe their favorite movie falls into line uh, historically or within a, a genre, and uh, just wants to discuss movies in general. Yeah, and we're really hoping that you maybe take this as a way to kind of expose yourself to movies you maybe used to think were too old or weren't interested in. That now, thanks to the power of the internet, uh, are pretty easy to get to, or just Netflix or any way uh, you can kind of get to these, uh, just access this wide range of movies uh, that hopefully will not only entertain, but maybe, you know, expand your horizons. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, (laughs) and let me tell you, this movie we picked uh, for this week, I gotta say, it is just a great entertaining movie uh, that also really made made me think, and man, just what a great movie. Today we're talking about Chinatown, uh, and Nick... Nick, you want to give us a little background? Well, Chinatown, 1974, uh, directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, Polanski was born in France, raised in Poland, uh, made most of his early movies in Europe, uh, came to America, uh, made American movies for five or six years. Uh, his wife or his longtime girlfriend uh, brutally murdered by the Manson family. It is important to remember that uh, just two or three years before uh, making Chinatown. And Chinatown was one of his last Hollywood movies um, before he was run out of town because of a uh, underage sex scandal. So lots of, lots of things going on here with Roman Polanski. I'm glad um, you brought these up into this show. They're all, but these are all important things to remember. I mean, uh, Chinatown is one of the most fatalistic, pessimistic movies ever made, uh, and it's made by somebody whose basically entire family was murdered uh, two or three years earlier. Most of his movies post the Manson uh, issue uh, situation, especially in the '70s, have this sort of violence uh, for the sake of violence type. Bent certainly is the movie he made right after the that whole scenario. Um, Macbeth uh, is that way, and Chinatown's very much that way as well. Uh, once he was exiled, m- continued to make movies. Of course, made a big return in America, although he wasn't actually here because he'd be arrested. But uh, with the pianist about ten years ago, made a good movie two or three years ago called The Ghost Rider. He still makes movies, mostly in Europe, with um, American stars or English stars, usually in English, I mean. But then spent most of the 80s and 90s either not working or making odd, bizarre movies like Pirates starring, um, I think, Walter Matthau. I don't think I've seen that one. But anyway, uh, it, all this goes into it in terms of, uh, of what, where his mindset was. And we'll talk, that, we'll talk about that in a little bit, how that affected... Uh, Chinatown directly, because he didn't write Chinatown. It was written by Robert Town, uh, a struggling screenwriter at the time who was the roommates with Jack Nicholson, uh, who plays a small part in Chinatown, uh, <laughs> the, the lead role, and who's in literally every scene, and produced by Paramount, by Paramount's head, head man, uh, Robert Evans. Bob Evans, the, the, the legendary... Lothario producer of this movie and um, the Godfather movies and uh, any number of other um, anyway good early early to mid seventies movies. So uh, it's a it's really in that 
what a lot of people call the golden age of American movies in the early to mid-70s, when you could have a movie like this that's terribly bleak, uh, doesn't really have a lot of audience appeal in terms of, I mean, there's not a lot of action here. There's not a lot of those yeah, traditional I mean, I mean, things Jack that Nicholson, you say might... Yeah, Jack Nicholson, if I'm right, never holds a gun. Like never even. Doesn't, as far as I know, doesn't hold a gun. He's the star, yeah. uh, the lead actor. His face is covered partially for 60% of the movie. A lot of things that you might not see now or wouldn't see in the 60s or even in the 80s. But there was this small little window uh, when the studio system was breaking down in which personal pictures and which uh, artistic considerations were given a little more heft. Not completely, but given a little more heft than... Uh, Economic considerations, and uh, Bob Evans. Bob Evans was a, a big proponent of that, uh, and it worked out both from an audience standpoint and a critical standpoint. You know, The Godfather, and this is uh, The Godfather, a very different movie, but The Godfather was the biggest hit of all time when it came out. Uh, and I don't know if that would, when you think of a three-hour gangster movie with no romance and no, not a whole lot of action in that one either, uh, that may seem a little strange. But uh, there it is. Yeah, and so talking about Chinatown now, uh, the basic plot is you got Jack Nicholson. Really, I mean, was this before Five e- Easy Pieces? This is after Five yeah. Easy Pieces. Okay, but so this he's is right. In he's the on the way up. His, right. He, yeah. This, this is after this. I mean, and then he'll be in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest the next year, which he wins an Oscar. This would be the if. Say Michael Fassbender makes a great movie next year. That would be that'd be where we are in the okay. in the in the arc the, of Jack Nicholson. He, he was sort of still a new name uh, for Five Easy Pieces and Easy Rider and that kind of thing. Um, but here he is as really a lead of a big time movie for one of the first times. Right, and so he's a private investigator in 1930s Los Angeles. Uh, he starts out in the movie. He needs a trail this guy to he's hired by what he thinks is the guy's wife to see if he's cheating on her and this leads to him to uncovering some big big conspiracy that leads to lots of things uh and again, you don't, that's you the, don't want to give it away no spoilers should we just uh, well, say we're, we're, we're getting into it there may be spoilers so if you've not seen it and you I don't really it's not really yeah. one of those there are some things that are big reveals here but a yeah. it's a 40 year old movie <laughs> B, I don't really care that much about spoilers anyway. I've never seen a single movie that is appreciably better if you don't know the joke. I mean, it, it becomes I think worse. Six, if I you think do Sixth know. Sense is better if you don't know. Yeah, but that's because that's a crummy movie. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> I'm just saying I mean, that's a, that it, it would ruin it. it ru- there's no reason whatsoever to see it if you already know. There you go. I will agree. Yeah, that movie is, is dependent on the gimmick, on the on the the turn, on the secret. Yeah. Uh, Chinatown's not really that way, but as a advisory, no. since everyone's up in arms about spoilers, we may we're going to talk about the plot. We're going to talk about some of those things. So if that um, if that bothers you, uh, just keep listening and let it bother you yeah. and get over it. It's really the, that's that's <laughs> yeah. the disclaimer. But I think but we can yeah, all so agree that uncovering... China. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I think we can all agree that Chinatown is the greatest. Power and Water related movie of all time. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll agree with that. Uh, and this is based on a real situation from LA in the in the turn of the century, nineteen 
19, the first decade of the 20th century. Uh, and which not quite the same thing, but that's where Robert Town got the idea is that they, all this, this land was being ruined by the city, uh, it was being withheld water, so it became super cheap, and then it was bought up, and the water was returned, and then all of a sudden became very profitable land. And that's sort of the, uh, this conspiracy that uh, Jake Geddes, uh, played by Jack Nicholson, is uncovering, although he, we get it a little bit before he gets it. Uh, and Faye Dunaway playing uh, the wife of the original one, the man he was sent to investigate, Mrs. Mulray, uh, she's involved, and her father, Noah Cross, played wonderfully by John Huston, is uh, oh, yeah, he's great. much involved. And it's a, there's, there's the overarching problem is this water problem, but there are more interpersonal and interfamilial uh, issues simmering underneath the surface. So there's a lot <laughs> yeah. going on. And like a lot of good film noirs, which this is, clearly is a film noir, the plot is often overcomplicated. I think I just watched it yes. two or three days ago in, in advance of this. Exactly how everybody fits into it, I couldn't tell you. Just having, and I'm a smart guy, having just seen it two or three days <laughs> ago. Uh, I mean, I can tell you the overreaching are- who's doing what. But uh, right. exactly what Evelyn Mulray is doing in the middle of it, uh, I'm not sure I know, and I'm not sure that she knows. Uh, she's sort of being played just as, as Gettys is. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, you said you mentioned the term film noir. So what, yeah. about, what about this makes it film noir? Considering the age of film noir would have been before the, before the 70s. <laughs> The 30s and the 40s, sort of when the, the movie is set, Chinatown is set. A lot of people call this neo-noir, uh, and that might have been a better phrase in 1974 when it came out, just because it is a, a new noir. Uh, but it, it, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call that that. I, I think it's pretty much a very straightforward uh, film noir. Yeah, I think that, it, the definition is I, difficult. To and we'll talk about this because we're going to have the top five film noirs later on in the show. Uh, and depending on your definition, some things are going to be left out or or left in. Uh, to me, there's certainly a style to it. I usually think of it in black and white, but uh, Chinatown is is obviously in color and is in beautiful color. But there's a lot of has a lot to do with camera angles. Has a lot to do with lighting angles. You'll see there's a lot of shots here in Chinatown and in a lot of great noirs of long shadows, uh, of shadows out of windows that make sort of bars on people's faces. A lot of bar imagery in Chinatown anyway, both horizontal and vertical. Uh, But there's a lot of extreme angles, odd shadows. That's really where film noir comes from, from German expressionism in the 1920s and 10s. There were a lot of the silent movies of the German period early on in, in film history were a lot of these crazy angles, uh, sets that didn't quite make sense, sort of were built on more nightmare logic than actual architectural soundness and a lot of extreme lighting, lots of shadows. And a lot of the, the expatriates from Germany came over to Hollywood in the 30s and 40s to escape Nazism and made movies, many of which were some of the great film noirs that we, we have now. Uh, 
and so you see a lot of those shadows, a lot of those angles, but not quite as expressionistic because they were still being made within the Hollywood uh, system. But the, the number one thing I think of when I think of film noir is less about camera angles and, and lighting and more about a sort of fatalism, a sort of idea that, that whatever you do, Every, everybody's there are some bad. powers. <laughs> everybody's bad. Yeah. They're very pessimistic. There are some powers that you can never, never escape. And that's sort of who Noah Cross is in Chinatown. Sometimes it's, some, it's a person or an organization. Sometimes it's just fate itself. Oftentimes it's a, uh, a starlet or a siren. Uh, but that's not really the case here in Chinatown. Even though Evelyn Mulray, the Faye Dunaway character, tries to act like she's, she knows a little bit more than Jake does. She's not really the femme fatale. She's not his undoing necessarily, although it is her entrance into it that starts his whole unraveling, but she's not really the driver of that. She's being manipulated as much as anybody. Right. Because it's like, I mean, that's why I just, it's just such a great movie and such a great piece of film noir because it is, it's kind of the typical Philip Marlowe. Here's the private eye who's, you know, good inside, but has the gruff exterior. And uh-huh. then you have the femme fatale come in and he's going to, he's going to solve the case and he's going to save her and everything's going to be great, right? Well, right. That's, his, that's, it's that's sort not, of the tale of an idealist in a world that won't allow for idealism. Uh, yeah, right, and of course that's not all that happens. And she, sort as of you said... Knight for, go ahead, say it again. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He thinks he's saving her because she is a femme, but she's... she Honestly, she's maybe the best person in the movie. I mean, she's she may be. You know, acting, out of, acting out of concern. You know, she's being selfless for mm-hmm. her daughter. And right. Uh, unlike, I mean, everyone else, and really Jake, again, Jake's trying to help, but, I mean, he has his own motives, too. (laughs) He does, and he doesn't quite understand, and he assumes the worst, and therefore gets in in worse shape and makes things a little bit worse as well. Um, But it is is a really great movie. Now, you've seen it before, haven't you, Benny? Well, so here's the truth. So I... I had seen it in college. I remember Rennie and be like, oh, I should watch Chinatown. It's a great movie. And I was watching it at a bad time. I was tired. And so I remember I was falling asleep during it. I remember. Okay. I was. I know. That's sacrilege. I'm sorry. No, no. It's really uh, not. And I, I'm glad yeah, you bring it, that up. Because this is a movie that, for me, for a long time, was one I sort of admired more than I liked. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, th- I, think, I, agree. I think that's maybe what I thought the first time I saw it. And yeah. I just remember kind of nodding off. And it, which mean I didn't really get because I could tell you I could not remember like you said the plot is complicated the whole the bad guy scheme is pretty complicated uh-huh. uh, and so if you're if you're falling in and out of sleep you're not I definitely forgot about it <laughs> true uh, but I did wake up to the sounds of him slapping Faye Dunaway in the face five times in a row <laughs> oh got it who who is yeah, she's my daughter she's my sister it's a good thing my sister my daughter my right. sister it is which a of course bit like at that first airplane scene in which they're trying yes. to calm her down uh, yeah you know, i can help you want to see like a line of people behind jack nicholson with wrenches and stuff waiting to yeah. i can help i'll calm her down uh yeah but that's yeah a, well no at first you think it's this joke that she's and or you just think oh she's just telling him what he wants to hear right and then as we kind of alluded to earlier you get the big twist Mm-hmm. which is the fact that it is her daughter and her sister because it is she was raped by her father and no that's her baby it. which and so like you were you were talking about the sixth sense as a twist that yeah i mean the whole movie depends on it 
it, the movie's ruined without it. I feel like this is just such a great twist because there honestly there is no way you could know, you know, no. There's no way you could have like as a as a viewer or as Jake, there's no way you could have known that that was true. You'd but, have to be to you know, assume that would be the because she thinks he thinks that the woman he she is holding up in her house is the missing uh, mistress Lover. of her late yeah. husband who was murdered in the during the course of the movie. Who that ex- disappearance is never explained, by the way. So uh, that's well, his it's assumption. It's kind of explained that the bad guy, they, that John Houston did it. Well, sure, that would be a fine assumption. Yes. Well, he and he killed uh, Mulray to begin with. So why wouldn't he get rid of the? Um, with the mistress too, but that's never. I'm saying it's never oh, the mystery explicitly. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, no. Yes. The mystery of the mistress is not explained. Uh, yes. What yeah. happens to Mulray? That was clearly uh, Noah Cross. Well, because uh, well, he, he has bifocals. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so there's this. He's assuming that the the woman she's got trapped away is the mistress, which is a fair and understandable assumption. Um, and you would never, never assume that what it is, uh, what it actually is, is what it is. So it does become kind right. of a bit of a shock. Although, and had, if that person's not even in the movie, then the movie doesn't really change because what really matters. Well, no, but that's what's right. That's what's so great about it is that it doesn't. It's not that then knowing that changes everything. It's just knowing no. that just first of all lets you know how evil. Right. Uh, Noah Cross is and what you're dealing with and just gives you it kind of just reveals yeah all the pain that Faye Dunaway's character must be going through right uh, and, it and why, why she's, she's been so, so cagey terrified, terrified of her yeah. rights well certainly crazy but then terrified even at the uh, the mere mention of her father um, I, I wouldn't say crazy. I said cagey then, not crazy <laughs> yeah cagey 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 very much so yeah and she's I mean they, they call her like, crazy because she's a woman but sure right uh, hysterical, such as it is. Oh, yeah, that, isn't that, that great right, hysterical? When, the... when should they leave the restaurant, they've been eating. Jake and Evelyn have, uh, and he's he's saying, you know, I think I've, uh, you know, I want to find out what happened to this mistress. And I think you know more than uh, I'm not done investigating you. I'm sort of falling for you, but I've I've still got my doubts here. And he gets in the car, and there's a great shot of him leaving in long focus, and she's sit, she's standing there, uh, and her kind of cool veneer comes down for a second. She says, "Stop, wait," but he's already thirty. I mean, yeah. he's, it's way. She wants to be out in the front, uh, out in the open about everything, um, but just didn't have the strength or the the courage to do it when it when she could have, and that's all perfectly understandable after you know. Um, what everything happened. So it's a, it's a, it's a movie about evil. It's a movie about greed. A great moment at the very end. Of course, the ending is so perfect. The ending is really the, the, the key to the whole thing. And a lot of noirs are like that, where you'll be trying to figure out what's happening for an hour and fifty minutes, and then even if you don't understand all the details, everything gets tied up in the last fifteen or twenty minutes. Uh, right, where, where and that's Jake what, says to go ahead. Well, I was to say before we even get to the ending, like that is what just made it it's just such a good mystery. Is that I mean, he's finding something out like you know every ten minutes, mm-hmm. but we're still like you're, we're getting closer and closer, or we're going down a wrong path, and we're right. with there with him. Like we have all the information he has, and we're kind of confused. We're like, well, why is that? 
yeah, why right. is water coming out into the ocean? Like, why, you know, why, we're, why are these old people have their deed, you know, deeds for all right. this land in, right. in the valley? Like, it's just, and it's just so great because it just gets revealed slowly and slowly mm-hmm. until it's all, it's all comes together. Like, oh crap, that is a good evil plan. <laughs> that is a, that's a, it's very dastardly, Mr. Cross. But he tells her, he says yeah. right there, how much better can you eat? What can you right. buy that you can't afford? The future, Mr. Gitz. The future. And yeah. you, can't, you can't ever remember his name, which apparently was an invention. Not an invention. It was really the case with John Houston, who read the script. He couldn't remember. pronounced Gitz. And well, he, pro- just, he corrects him, Gittis. He corrects him yeah, on Catalina Island. That might have been but, a real thing. I mean, that might have been an in, uh, improvised. If not, you know, they had rearranged it. Like, they had maybe taken a take, and he said... Mr. Gitz, okay. <laughs> and then Polanski or somebody said, you know, it's Gettys, and they decided they liked that little change. What I'm saying is that that wasn't in the yeah. script originally. But uh, it works with his character, because the character just has no respect for this... For really know, anybody. Snoo- Snoopy P.I. that he's already cut his nose off, or half right. off. <laughs> and so, to that ending, everything, the wrong people die, or stay alive. Uh, yeah, well, that's really... what's also so great, is that you're going toward the ending, and you're like, okay... You know he's gonna sh- he's gonna have a showdown with the bad guy in of all places Chinatown, <laughs> which is where uh, he worked as a cop before. So right, did he's you been talk about the whole time? Of anything? Did it remind me of anything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Minority Report. <laughs> oh well, yeah. And Minority Report, I guess you could even consider maybe a neo noir, but it's it's Who Framed Roger yeah. Rabbit. Well, yes, that's actually true. I haven't, I'd, I'd seen this more recently from Roger Rabbit, but uh, yeah, from Roger Rabbit does take a lot from this, I suppose. But you would be surprised. I mean, I love, I think, I love who ran Roger Rabbit. I think that's really, really one of the best movies ever made. Uh, and I, it's just odd what makes it, A, the audacity to say, we're going to make this movie with every cartoon you've ever heard of interacting yeah. with each other <laughs> in 1988. But, we're going to make a kid's movie that's a spoof of Chinatown. Chinatown, which is uh, this, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'm surprised uh, they didn't go as far, because for all of its wonderful things, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is not particularly a subtle movie, so I'm surprised they didn't have it at some point. Forget it. Forget, what's his name in the movie? It's but Toontown. Forget it, forget it Jake, forget it's Toontown. It's Toontown, right. Um, but yeah, so they're there uh, in Chinatown, well, so the climactic ending. Yeah, you're getting this, you're going toward this ending, and of course you're like, okay, well he can you know, easily save the girl, get away, put John Houston, he's got, well I guess he lost the glasses, but he, you know, Escobar uh-huh. is a co- capable ca- cop. He's got to be able to put the right. bad guy away, right? That's what you're thinking as this is coming toward sure? toward a conclusion. Uh, and then it does not go that way. <laughs> no. And uh, the real pessimistic thing about it is nothing really changed. Getty's, this whole situation, he gets nothing out of it. Nothing's changed. The situation in the valley is exactly the same. He's met this woman either really fallen in love or convinced himself that he has, and now she's dead. Uh, this is just a wo- no, giant... It's, it's not that he got nothing. He messed it up. It's all yeah. his fault. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, if but, he hadn't gotten involved, she probably could have gone away to Mexico. Right. He, it's everything that he did only led to death. That's, that's right. And for nothing Which, but trying to be the, the right, do the right thing. Right. He was, again, he, like, that's what's so great about it, and that's what it comes back to 
which actually I definitely missed. So right before the famous ending line, uh, you know, the most famous quote is, right, he's looking at this carnage of, and again, let's go back. The worst part is not the valley. The worst part is that the scumbag gets his daughter slash granddaughter, and you know yeah. what's going to happen to her, and that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, sure. Like, it's not Absolutely. just, it's just not, it's not one of those like, oh, this is kind of bad, but things will be okay ending. No, it's a everything is awful ending. <laughs> everything is worse than before. Right, and uh, he's looking in the car and he says, as little as possible, which I completely missed the first time I saw it. He uh, says, what did, and that's, what did, that goes back to what he said earlier in the movie when he, she's like, what did like, you, do, you do, in do in Chinatown? Chinatown? He, yeah, and he's like, as little as possible. possible, with the whole reason being... In Chinatown, everyone's bad. Bad things are happening. You have no idea what's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And the best, the best course of action is to do nothing, which is exactly the opposite of what he did all movie. And then this is what he got for it. Right. Good point, uh, Benny. And I, because as much as the famous line is "Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown," and we'll talk about that in a second. But the that off uh, offhand line, which is a great line about as little as possible, uh, and another line from way earlier in the movie. Uh, are you alone, Mr. Gettys? Isn't everybody? Which isn't even you can't even hear yeah. right because he's on, he says it over the phone and there's other action right. going on, which I think is a really telling line and a really nice line. So what? He's you, actually, and he's actually not alone, but yeah, right. Well, <laughs> he's with uh, yes, but I think he's existentially. You see, yes, that's, uh, right. Uh, so what to you does forget a Jake? It's Chinatown mean? Uh, I mean, it just again when you're when he's because coming from where he was in Chinatown and what he's talking about is it just means you can't do anything about it. It just means that there's evil going on here and you, you just have to give up and give in, which is of course the most depressing. It has to be the most depressing of the hundred greatest quotes of all time list, right? It'd be hard to find another. It'd be hard to find a more depressing (laughs) one than one that effectively means forget it. Everybody. It's the world. (laughs) the worst place ever. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, all living in this horrible, horrible right. place where bad things happen. Because the original script didn't have a scene in Chinatown. Uh, and Polanski fought for a scene in Chinatown. Otherwise, you know, they were still going to have the angle of him having worked there. Uh, right. And then the original, <laughs> the town and, um, and Polanski got into a bit of an artistic tiff, although they've, uh, about the ending, uh, Town wanted a different ending, not any more happy, but one that didn't take place in Chinatown the way that, uh, the way that this one did. And the ending, to me, is, is just about everything. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I actually, so I watched, there's like a 15-minute thing at the in, on the DVD Okay. It's actually, I recommend anyone to watch. Me too. Uh, I, I watched them myself. That's where I'm getting half of this information. Yeah, no, because, right, and by the way, yeah, Bob Evans is, that's, I said this to my wife, like, if you were to think of your typical sleazeball, yeah. coked out of his gourd <laughs> uh, producer, it's that guy. <laughs> it's, hey, this is going to be an Evans picture. It's going to go my way, baby. <laughs> And, a, and why is he sitting? Why is he sitting sideways in the DVD? The why is he sitting sideways? Interview, he will not. It's in profile. Everybody else, like it doesn't come any more aloof or like too cool for school than Nicholson. And he's just like in his. Yeah. He looks at the camera. Evans yeah. is like, no, baby. If you want an interview with Evans? It's going to be my way. Uh, there's a great documentary called "The Kid Stays in the Picture," which is about about Evans, and it's all. <laughs> Um, it's, it's, 
I'd uh, heard of that movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's uh, it's it's narrated by him, and so it'll be like, and then we made oh. Chinatown. That was great, baby. That Dunaway, who <laughs> what a rack on her, boy, she could, you know. It, it's all like that, and it's narrated that way. And I'm like, who is this? And then his like old pictures of him, him. It's yeah. clearly with all his with his approval. And it'll be like he, she yeah. could lay down for days if you know what I mean. Hey, <laughs> okay. But there, no, it's it, and it's like that. I, um, yeah. It, when I was making The Godfather, Keaton's the only one to give Evans the old heave. And, uh, and I thought it's based on a book he wrote, autobiography. And I found it in the LA Library or somewhere. Because I was, I'd seen the movie and I was interested. And it's written that way. He's not narrating it. Yeah. He's, it's written, it's like written. Like, yeah. It, it was Evans, baby, right there in the, the print. Yeah. Very odd. All right, anyway, we, may be, uh, we may be gotten off topic. Well, <laughs> on Bob Evans, but Bob Evans is, I just, is a good yeah, topic. I just found it interesting, yeah, that Polanski Polanski was saying I like I had to end that way, and they basically shot uh-huh. it without an ending. Uh, yeah, and then because then watching it, you're like it couldn't have ended any other way. Really uh, not, and just it goes back to Chinatown, like which and I think the other interesting that's weird, I think maybe watching now is like in Chinatown in L.A. is not really that bad right now. No, no. <laughs> it, It'd be and like, I, but it'd be like making a movie again, now that you. Think it's about it'd be like specific... making a movie called South Central. <laughs> if well, your movie is called South about, Central, I don't know if it has any historical root. I, I think it's just a play. It's like an existential idea. It's not really about. It does, any... except uh, what's uh, Bob? Uh, is it Thorn Horn, the writer? Uh, uh, he, town, town, town. Sorry, I was. Yeah. Uh, it's town. He said. It came from he knew this detective who worked right. in Chinatown and said and basically said, basically told him what I mean. What we just said Chinatown means is that mm-hmm. you never know who's good or bad, and you just can't do anything, and you do as little as possible on that beat. <laughs> sure, is what he is what he yeah, got, got no, that concept. He was from. inspired by that, but again, I, I you don't have to know that to make it mean no. more, right? No, because he they mentioned it. I mean, it's just interesting, I guess, that it's called Chinatown. You know, this movie that doesn't take place in Chinatown, has mm-hmm. one Asian actor in it. <laughs> well, uh, lot of, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Doorman. Mulray's Doorman. Yeah. Who, who went on to pretend on. he was blind and play ping pong. And I think, yeah, she was blind. <laughs> that guy, he works <laughs> a lot. I'm saying, you, know, you've rec- you recognize that actor. Oh, yeah, he's been a lot yeah. of things, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, but just great movie. I mean... We didn't really get to talk about. I mean, Jack Nicholson, despite yeah having his face bandaged up half the movie, is just great. I mean, Faye Dunaway is great. She, John Huston's ama- is just an amazing villain. I mean, great and of movie. course, John Huston was a noir aficionado. All his presence. I mean, he's mainly a director, and so his presence in the movie in general really adds a noir bent. Um, directed the Maltese Falcon, uh, which may or may not end up on our list later yeah. on. Uh, certainly could. And, uh, you know, so that even, that throws a, the fact that it's set when it's set, and even the neo-noirs, the other things you'd consider neo-noir, L.A. Confidential um, is set in that era. It's hard now, I think Minority Report, now that you mentioned that, could very much be considered a a noir, and it's one of the ones that aren't set in that era. Something about that era uh, says a lot about it. The Long Goodbye is a great movie um, based off of uh, either a Marlowe or a, a Chandler book. Um, yeah, and uh, that was well, no, in the I mean, 70s. 
Go ahead. Yeah, because just I mean, John Houston's voice, you're like, that is a villain's voice. Sure. I mean, it's just this amazing, raspy, deep, like just pure evil voice, which, yeah. Somebody great. said when, when Daniel Day-Lewis won the Oscar for uh, There Will Be Blood that he should thank John Houston in this speech for the voice. I don't yeah. think it's quite like <laughs> the Daniel Plainview, but it is. They're, they're similar. They're certainly yeah. um, Well, the I, I think it's like saying... Any villain since then should. I mean, it's. Right. It's just. I mean, he's very. It's just good. a great villain's voice, like. Very uh, very good, and he, those things are you remember more than. I mean, as we get further away from watching it, you may forget the specifics. You probably won't ever forget the. Um, you certainly won't forget the incest angle, but the, maybe even the yeah. uh, the water and power. So it's just a means to an end. It, what he's just right. It, the same way that the 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 freeways are the the. In Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's just, it's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's very, almost very a MacGuffin movie. in itself. This it is, yeah, to a certain point, because that's this really, whole that's, plot. that's the, un, that's what it's about, but the underlying evil really is the interpersonal stuff, uh, and the fact that he'll just throw people away. Uh, it could be anything. I mean, that's a, honestly, that's a, in today's world of 40-minute endings, uh, final battle scenes in which the entire universe is under attack, you know, water and power is relatively lame. Uh, but he, it, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, and you don't even really get, the victims you see are not the, the farmers who own the land. Farm, no, we don't. being uh, choked. It's uh, no, we don't care Evelyn about and, right. The more like they live in the valley. We don't care about people in the valley, man. Yeah, the valley. <laughs> people in L.A. do not care about people in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side of the hill, they can they can starve to death. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. So hit me, Nick. Top five. Top five film noirs. Film noirs. So if you like Chinatown, what else are you gonna like? Uh, if you like Chinatown, well, again, like is if you enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. If you, that's, if, right. Um, Detour is my number five film noir. This is a movie shot in six days uh, by one of those great directors from German cinema I was talking about when we first talked about noirs. Uh, wonderful film fatale, loser hero doing the same sort of thing, thinking he's a little bit uh, more noble and valiant than he actually is. And uh, in this case, though, the, the, the film fatale is very much uh, that a lot of bad luck, a lot of uh, a lot of fatalism there. Great, great movie, and one of those movies that shouldn't work. I mean, it, it's such it's so low rent that it's. I, I often talk about it as in terms of shooting the moon. There's so many elements that don't make sense. The script's not quite finished. The 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 production design is almost non-existent, uh, and yet it all works together in this sort of low rent. Symphony, which a lot of film noirs are anyway. Uh, number so you're saying four, it could have gone very of, poorly, but worked out. That's right. Uh, number right, four, so number four. Of the Past, starring Robert Mitchum. A lot of film noirs will feature the past coming back to haunt you. Those are the two things. If it's not society, as it sort of is, no, I shouldn't say society, but fate gets Jake Giddies. Uh, but the past gets Robert Mitchum's character and out of the past. There's things he can't run away from, things he's done okay. that you can never get away from. So that's a lot of the the underlying thing of, uh, of film noirs is that there are things you can never get away from, either things you've done in the past or just the way that the universe is set up in the present. 
Uh, number three is Chinatown, which we've talked about at some length here. Uh, number <laughs> yep. two is Double Indemnity, great Billy Wilder movie okay. uh, with Fred McMurray and Barbara Stanwyck. And the number one movie we may be talking about on a later podcast is The Big Sleep with uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. That's, you want to talk about confusing plots. I couldn't even begin to tell you what they're after uh, in, uh, in The Big Sleep. I, I've read that one, and I can't okay. remember. So, so that's a, either a Raymond Chandler novel. Uh, is it, it is Chandler, isn't it? The movie's uh, written... I get, I get Chandler and Dashiell Hammett confused because right. they're the two it's guys either, that wrote all those. It's true. <laughs> it's one so of it's the two. Hammett or Chandler. Uh, the script yeah. is written in part by by William Faulkner, so you so you can oh. the, the king. No the wonder king you love clear it. and concise uh, narratives. So it's a but it's a wonderful expressionistic. Uh, uh, it's a great great film noir and and the finest one I've ever seen. So that's number one. All right, and see, and you actually you, you asked me what Chinatown reminded me of. I did actually, I did think a lot of L.A. Confidential. I don't uh-huh. would you? I don't know if I call L.A. Confidential noir though, but it's same period. It's yeah. cops against bad guys, and I, I'm big big fan of L.A. Confidential. Although yeah, Love I wouldn't it. know if it's the same genre, but the same time period <laughs> and a sure. similar and sort of similar uh, type deal of in tile, personal style, intrigue. Very yeah. much so. It's more of a yeah. traditional mystery, cops and robbers type thing. Uh, right. There's less, there's less about it, but that that's a great movie. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. So that's Chinatown. <laughs> Don't forget it. Yeah. Uh, you got any more thoughts, Nick? I do not. Uh, I'm gonna do my best to forget it, Ben. <laughs> it's Chinatown. <laughs> there you go. Nice All little right. button. Well, so. If you remember anything about Chinatown, you'd like us to know. If you have any uh, things you think we got wrong or differing opinions, we'd love to hear them. Please email us at watchingtherightmovies at gmail.com. Or if you have suggestions for future movies, if you have requests for movies, if you just have any general comments on how we're doing, we'd love to hear them. If you have ideas for top fives you'd like to hear from Nick, uh, we'd love to respond you can find us find us on iTunes. You can find us through Nick's website, nickrankowski.com, in the podcast section. If you do that, don't skip over his movie review section. They're great. You'll learn a lot from those, too. Uh, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Take care. <laughs>